is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to it once again. Glad to have you aboard today, whether you are listening across the Sportsnet Radio Network or watching us on Sportsnet 360 or listening to us on your favorite podcast platform. We thank you for being aboard. Coming up on today's program, Elliot Friedman returns, comma, in the next hour. Uh, Elliot uh, is at the Leafs-Kings skate. Only two games on the board uh, tonight around the NHL. Also, Vancouver facing off against Nashville, uh, nine last night. So Elliot's going to join us in hour two. And there's a number of things we're going to talk about, uh, namely, and we'll get into this in a couple of seconds, uh, Deputy Commissioner of the NHL, Bill Daly, uh, was on with Gordon Scott this morning on the morning skate on NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 91, um, and had a number of things to say, uh, whether it was about cut-resistant technology, whether it was about uh, gambling uh, in the sport of hockey, and also the future of the draft and where they are and what it might look like this season. Uh, we'll get into all of that with Elliot. We'll get into all of that here in a couple of moments after I let you know What's going on with the rest of the program? Colby Armstrong, uh, analyst for Sportsnet, uh, will stop by here in about 15 minutes' time. We'll talk about what we saw last night uh, with the Winnipeg Jets and the New York Rangers, most notably the return of Blake Wheeler to Manitoba. We'll get into that with Colby. We'll ask him all the hot-button issues as well. Like Everyone on the show today is going to get the um, cut-resistant technology neck guard question uh, as that issue still burns. Uh, Billy Jaffe will stop by as well. We'll talk about the Boston Bruins. Uh, Charlie McAvoy will have a hearing for his hit on Hampus Lindholm, or sorry, for his hit yesterday on Oliver ekman Larson. Confuse your Bruins defenseman much these days? Uh, for his hit on Oliver ekman Larson in that Boston-Florida uh, game last night. Uh, okay, Matt Marchese, we have a few things to get to here in, the, uh, in about 15 minutes before Colby joins us. So, um, first of all, about last night quickly, seven one-goal games, a blowout, two Gordie Howe hat-tricks, and one of the Gordie Howe hat-tricks for the Arizona Coyotes, the last time their organization had one, well, two in the same night, was when Jack McBain's dad, Andrew McBain, was playing with the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Taglianetti with the other Gordie Howe in that one. Anyway, quick thought on what we saw last night before we get to these daily clips. Well, five of those seven games that were one-goal games went into overtime or a shootout, too. I mean, that that's a very rare occurrence across the league. Like you, I'm a gambler. I could have made a lot of money if I was you know, smart like that last night, but, um, referees no, keeping it close. They're in yeah. on the fix too. referees keeping it close, Maddie. Yeah. Well, I mean, Aiden, come on, hot take Tuesday. Let's go. Yeah, Aiden Hill kept it close last night with that pizza. He threw, uh, on the, on the fan. Oh. So that one, that oh. was part of the reason why that one went to a shootout. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good night of hockey yeah, all around. Lots of close games. Yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. And even the blowout had a little bit of spicy to it as well. Okay, let's get to some of these Bill Daly clips. So the deputy commissioner of the NHL was on with Gord Selleck and Scott Lachlan this morning on Morning Skate, uh, Sirius XM Channel 91, NHL Network Radio. And pretty early, the guys got to the question of mandatory neck guards in the NHL. Here's Bill Daly. So uh, the answer is yes. And I think uh, the commissioner, uh, as recently as over the weekend, was in touch with Marty Walsh to kind of put this um, squarely on the radar screen. I will say that, um, particularly through the work of Rod Pasman in our hockey operations department, um, we have been um, pushing, really pushing hard, uh, cut-resistant materials um, and, and guards uh, for use by our players, um, it is an adjustment for them. Uh, we uh, we we are strongly recommending um, kind of uh, cut resistant materials uh, for use uh, currently by our players. It's been mandated uh, in the American Hockey League and in the ECHL. Um, now we're talking about wrists and and forearms, um, but. Obviously, the the most recent um, horrific um, accident uh, really will 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 step up the neck guards for sure. You know, the NHL, Maddie, has been all over this um, for a long time. This isn't new. This isn't um, something the NHL sort of stumbled across um, after Adam Johnson paid away, passed away. They've wanted to do this for a number of years. 
Um, and we know the players will push back because they always do. Interesting that Daly mentioned that uh, the commissioner, Gary Bettman, was in contact uh, with his counterpart, the executive director of the Players Association, over the weekend to at least get this on the table uh, as a discussion point um, in subsequent meetings. I'm guessing this is going to come up. I'm sure it's already come up in just about every single team meeting across all leagues, uh, probably all over the world, uh, not just the NHL, AHL, ECHL, but um, all over the hockey globe. Uh, Your thoughts on the NHL engaging in the Players Association to at least get this thing on the table and make it a discussion point, knowing full well or assuming full well that there will be pushback from the players themselves. Yeah, this was the obvious one, right? Like this this had to, to come to the forefront here. And what's interesting, you know, they asked Bill after that about grandfathering them in. And Bill said, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, that that's the way that it's going to go. You know, we're very early in this, these will talks, be. whatever. It will be. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if I'm the Players Association... And they are always thinking about the right now for a lot of them. They're not thinking about the next crop of players that are coming in from wherever. I wonder if they can use that as a as a negotiating tool to get something else. I know it sounds really morbid, but that's always what it feels like it comes to. I just I just don't know how you use that because at the end of the day, it's a safety thing for the players, not for the owners, for the general managers or the league. So um, yeah, I would assume I, that that's where it's going to go to. I, 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 I think that's really tasteless. Uh, sure. And I, I, I don't think that comes to that. I, I don't think the Players Association will look for a cookie uh, in exchange for, you know, grandfathering in of, uh, of neck guards. I do agree with you, though, that, you know, this is, you know, this, this is very tried and true in the history of the Players Association. Uh, the ones that, you know, they will sacrifice, whether it's, you know, cap upon cap upon cap are always the players that are about to enter. Uh, the National Hockey League, uh, whether it's you know grandfathering in of visors, helmets, etc., I can I can see this one going that exact same route. Players don't want to do it for a number of reasons. Um, some of them are ridiculous. Um, I find, um, and you know, like you know, someone pointed out to me yesterday, you know, Richard Zednick, who had his neck cut, he took his neck guard off mm-hmm. after wearing it for a while and just saying like, look, what are the odds that it's going to happen to me twice? Yeah, honestly, That's right? the mentality for, for some of these players. But anyhow, that is um, very much, listen, this is very much a hot button and, and, and top top of line issue right now uh, at all corners uh, of the uh, of the hockey universe. You know, Bauer released a statement, you know, leading equipment manufacturer. Let me grab this right now, uh, Maddie. Bauer released a statement yesterday uh, about it. And, and, you know, interesting with all the manufacturers as well, um, right now, over the last 42 hours, um, demand has gone through the roof for cut-resistant technologies, of course, specifically neck guards. The problem is um, all, in, all, all merchandise is shipped in August, and parents generally buy all of their stuff you know, uh, at the beginning of the season for all of their kids. So the big issue now is keeping enough inventory in stores, and it's not something that any of the manufacturers really keep in stock. So there's a, like, if you want, you know, cut resistant technology for your kids or for yourself, uh, right now there is a massive, massive inventory issue involved. Anyhow, um, Bauer Hockey released uh, a press release yesterday um, calling for urgent collaboration uh, after the passing of, uh, of Adam Johnson. Uh, Bauer committed to taking action in three areas with leaders within the industry. One, increase efforts to elevate product awareness and educate parents and players at all levels on the importance of wearing cut-resistant protection. Good. Two, work with our elite athletes. This is interesting. Work with our elite athletes, men and women, to gain feedback to inform product designs that meet the needs of all players to ensure full adoption. That is going to be a major hurdle, as we just pointed out a second ago. Bauer releasing they're committed to doing it. And three, collaborate with equipment manufacturers. So not just working in a bubble here, no horse blinders on, working with everybody. Uh, Governing bodies like Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, certification organizations, as well as leagues from youth to professional to mandate neck protection and develop new guidelines to ensure the mandate is enforced. So everybody at all levels um, you know, has their hand on the wheel here and, and has a dog in the fight 
Maddie. So no surprise that everybody right now, as this has sent shockwaves, obviously through the entire hockey community, everybody is getting involved at every single level. The only ones who seem to be the ones that are saying no are the players themselves uh, at the NHL level. And for those that wonder why the NHL can't just say, okay, tomorrow mandatory net guards, that needs to be negotiated with the players association. I want other clips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get from, to those. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna no, say go, I was just go gonna say I was just gonna say like at what point you know the conversation about junior hockey because that that's one step into kind of grandfathering it into the NHL right and from lesser from the NHL's perspective but more so for guys are wearing them you go into the NHL doesn't matter you're not changing anything. So. I had a conversation with someone yesterday who was talking about their American League team, and there was one player who recently played junior hockey last season who was used to wearing the neck guard and wore it at um, this American Hockey League training camp and was ridiculed by the players who were doing so because it looked like it was junior hockey, so he took it off. Have I reminded anyone recently how the male brain is not fully developed until said male reaches the age of 28? Uh, there's example 3,400,248 or whatever it is. Uh, Bill Daly also this morning, uh, we'll do more on the cut-resistant technology and neck guard issue here in a couple of moments. Uh, Bill Daly on with uh, Gordon Scott this morning as well, talking about what we've been discussing for the past couple of weeks, and it seems like there is an overwhelming majority in Daily Reference this, amongst NHL teams to go the decentralization route. This is Bill Daly this morning on NHL Radio. Well, I'll tell you, I was I was a little bit surprised uh, by the results we got um, on kind of an informal polling basis, but it was a very strong majority um, of, our ma- of our clubs. I shouldn't say our managers because we asked for one vote per club. Um, and, you know, who controls that vote and whether that's the vote of, you know, a team president or, or, or a governor, uh, owner, uh, or a general manager is really up to each club. So I don't know, uh, other than being reflective of what our clubs want, um, I don't know who was actually doing the, the, the voting. But uh, it was a very, very strong majority in favor of transitioning uh, the form of the draft. Um, what we said um kind of uh, to the group was uh, we're still trying to finalize plans for the 24 draft. Um, and uh, assuming we can successfully conclude those plans, uh, it would be the same format of draft as we've typically traditionally had. Um, and then we transition in 25. If for whatever reason we can't uh, conclude uh, what we're trying to, to do, um, with kind of the more traditional draft, we'll, we'll explore transitioning as early as 2024. So it's either 2024 or 2025, uh, but the clubs have spoken, and they've spoken in a loud voice. Okay, so if I'm going to put on my NHL decoder ring on that one, and I'll ask Elliot about this in an hour or two. Elliot Friedman stops by just after 1 o'clock uh, Eastern on the program here. Uh, if I can put on my NHL decoder ring, uh, I'm saying to myself, knowing they want the draft to be in Vegas, if they can do a deal with Jimmy Dolan and the Sphere, <laughs> they'll have a traditional draft this year. If not, we're going we're going decentralized. Do you hear that the same way? Yeah, I mean, that would be super cool. Uh, that would be incredible. Be awesome if they could do it. Yeah, they have yeah. the highlights playing of the player that got drafted and all that. Yeah, that would be great. Be so but, good. You know, be so good. I, it's funny because I was having this conversation with uh, with producer David Sis about this. And I listen, I watched the NFL draft. The NFL draft looks just fine. Thank you very much. And I know there's the, you know, the with the GMs and they're on the floor. And, and I like that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the NHL draft suffers by not everybody being in the same place. You got to look at the war rooms. It's a different look for television. I understand that it is a little bit different, but I don't think it's going to hurt the overall product of what the NFL or the NHL draft is. Um, I get it. I like seeing the GMs talking and everybody's, like, oh, oh, what's going on there? Oh, what are they talking about? But I mean, it does look, it does make the teams look a little cheap. I'm not going to lie. 
they got to you too, did they, Matt? No, I'm okay. I'm okay too. with it. Like I, <laughs> I do like the player going up, and I think you're going to see a lot more players stay home as you yeah. as you you know wouldn't have in years past. But again, that's another element yeah. to TV, but, and that's we're in that business too. So I, that's not uh, yeah. that's not unseen by me. True. Uh, real quick, do we have one more daily clip on the draft as well? I believe we do. I think it's on the format. Yeah, guys, do we have one more? Okay, we have one more. Let's uh, finish up on this and then bring Colby Armstrong on. This is uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly on what the draft will look like. Yeah, I think, it, again, I think it uh, it, it wouldn't I, – I think it would be different. There would be an, uh, definitely an in-person portion where uh, the commissioner still uh, announces players um, those players or prospects are in a, a centralized location. It's really only the teams um, who obviously would have representatives on site um, in the centralized location, but would have kind of situation rooms, war rooms, similar to what you see in the NFL in each of their markets. Um, and one of the benefits that I think uh, was highlighted and, and has been suggested to us is, you know, uh, more fan engagement in, in the local markets. Um, with your own fan base and, and uh, kind of opportunities to, to engage with those fans and, and get them excited about the draft and draft day activity. So um, that looks like uh, it's, it's won the day and ultimately we'll transition to it. Okay, there you go. That's uh, Bill Daly on the morning skate on NHL Network Radio from this morning. More on some of those issues in Hour 2 with Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. We'll get more into all of that uh, with Friedman in Hour 2. Adam Fox is going to stop by the program here. Or sorry, Adam Fox. Luke Fox. Confusing my Fox this year, folks. Um, just watching that Rangers game last night. Can you uh, can can you blame me? Uh, Luke Fox is going to stop by at the bottom of this hour. We'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, they are in action tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, look forward to talking to Luke in a couple of moments here. Also, we have Elliot Friedman, as I mentioned, and Billy Jaffe from Nesson and the NHL Network. I believe we have Colby Armstrong standing by, so let's get to him now. From the tooth star of the... Oh, okay, we don't have Colby yet, so we're going to filibuster here for a couple of moments um with the boston bruins specifically with billy jaffe we should probably talk about the incredible start and the charlie mcavoy hit last night on oliver ekman larson that was a pretty spicy game uh last night and we saw sam bennett unfortunately get injured again uh so that one has a little bit of a count to it as well lots to get to with billy jaffe we'll talk maple leafs bottom of the hour with luke don't call me adam fox in the meantime he's the star of the non-decentralized NHL draft from 2001 in Sunrise, Florida. He is the one and only Colby Armstrong. Ilya Kovalchuk, Colby, <laughs> may have gone first overall in that draft, but you were my favorite player in it, bud. <laughs> decentralized, yeah. The hockey hipster strikes again by bringing that one up. Uh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I don't think too many people remembered the 21st overall pick, but yeah, it was, it was memorable in my eyes, so I'm glad I've got another person besides my mom and dad on the same boat. Well, do you remember who went right before you? 20th overall. Um, San Jose. Marcel Gotch. You got it. Oh, way to go, Colbs. Did did you you know you were going to Pittsburgh? No, I had no clue when it came up. I had no clue. And actually, it's funny bringing this up. I had one buddy, and I'm from Saskatchewan, right? Western Canada. So it's like I had one buddy. That was a diehard Lemieux guy, like ride or die Penguins, diehard Lemieux, yeah. um, like loved them. I remember even as far back as they beat Minnesota in the final, I don't know which year it was, but even like in grade school, like fourth grade or something. And he was the only guy that was like losing his mind in school. And uh, that's like the first thing that popped into my head. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like I had, I have no like relation to this team. Like, you don't, we don't see them that much, right? Like we got a lot of Gretzky. We got a lot of the Oilers. We got hockey night in Canada, Leaf stuff. And you know, we were kind of didn't yeah. get enough Lemieux. I feel growing up out there. So it was like, kind of like unknown. And I remember even it's like, you know, you're, mm. you're, you're pretty old at this time, but I'm like, Pennsylvania, where the hell is that? And I, I remember in my head, I was like, it sounds like <laughs> Transylvania. <laughs> That's a, like that's where my brain was at. <laughs> do, 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 do I have to wear a cape and get fangs? What's going on? Yeah, here? Where am I like, going? I like, after all, then of course I uh, I shouldn't have thought this much because knowing how long I spent down there, three and a half years straight without a game. Where's their minor league team? And I was like, Wilkes Barre. What the <laughs> heck is that? 
<laughs> oh, I just love it. Oh, Colbs, you're a delight. Listen, I want to get into uh, Blake Wheeler from last night, but before we get there, I want to get your thoughts on the uh, um, the main. It, it's still the main issue of the day. And I was I was hosting an event last night here in, in Stover where I live, and the, the the Marley's organization were here. And you know, the first thing that everyone notices now is you know who's wearing neck guards and and who's not. And you know, I know the players' association, uh, the players individually will push back if uh, the NHL moves towards you know a, a neck to mandate uh, neck guards that needs to be negotiated with the players association um, I've talked to various players about it um, and some of the reasoning for the hesitation is uh, some guys just say well it doesn't look cool which okay I, I get it you're a young guy playing in the NHL and you want to look cool safety is uh, safety is secondary uh, others will say it's uncomfortable and third and I think this is a big one Players just don't like being told what they have to wear. Um, I mean, you played. You're out of the game now. You're an analyst. You have more of a bird's-eye view of it. You've probably had a look back uh, at your own career and the safety precautions you took, or maybe in your case, Colby, the lack of safety precautions you took uh, when you played. Um, And we all think, of course, of the friends and family of, of Adam Johnson and what a horrific thing. Uh, happened in the Nottingham Sheffield game, but do you have a thought on you know what happens now with players? Because from all corners of the hockey universe, whether it's the leagues, whether it's the teams, I just read out a statement from Bauer. You know the equipment manufacturers, the fans, everybody is screaming for neck guards, cut resistant technology. The only ones that seem to be pushing back on it are the players. What's your thought? Yeah, I just think it's it's when you get to the NHL, Jeff, I think you've just been, you know, you're pretty conditioned on, on, you know, what to do, you know, follow the rules. This is what we're doing. And I think, you know, most players will do as they're told or what's, you know, going to happen. Now, when you get to the NHL, though, you have, you can, oh, I'm taking off my visor. It, it was that for a while, you know, and, you know, the ear guards yeah. and, you know, everything's kind of. Yeah, you know, up to you, and you have like this freedom to, you know, do it however you would like. Even from, you know, guys wearing like, remember the like the little uh, Brett and Shanahan shoulder pads. Like you go, you can kind of pick oh, and choose yeah. equipment what you want to wear, and then I think that's a big thing of it too. Is like the freedom of like what works for you, what feels good, and you know how you want to do things. And so, you know, I, I I think though, I think the conversation has to be there. Look, my kid wears like most kids he has that built-in one into his undershirt with the little yeah. velcro in the back yep, it's already same. built in and I, I i think that doesn't look bad you know and i think you know if i was had having to do it i could i could wear one of those now that like the, the, the ones that they wear that are you know taped up and modified and <laughs> crumpled into a, like it looks like you're wearing a necklace um that they yeah. wear that they that are individual I can see them being like, what's the point of this? You know? So, um, you know, maybe they can find something that, that, that works where it's, where it's already built in and, and it's just more comfortable and it's just becomes something that is part of our game. And, um, you know, but I, I think the conversation has to be there for sure after, you know, this incident and, you know, honestly, Jeff, for me, like going into games, that's, I, I've never thought of that happening. I've never thought. And of course, you know, we saw in the NHL, the last few years, you know, especially with Vander Kane's injury um, and getting stepped on yeah. in his wrist area there, you know, like those things pop up and, and, you know, it's like, okay, what can we do with this? Um, but this one is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's so different. It's, you know, we lost someone over this and, you know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I thought it was like a careless play a bit on that play um, and trying to get a piece of him coming across, but, like a, you know, somebody passed away and died because of this scenario. How do we prevent something like that from happening? You know, I'm I'm actually surprised to be honest with you, Colby. I'm actually surprised that it, that something there hasn't been some type of skate blade injury with uh, the amount of guys jumping over the boards on line changes. You know, one of the yeah, things whenever it gets not. brought up that you know it's really dangerous, it's really dangerous opening and closing a door uh, to let players in and out of of the bench. One of the things that because it's been raised before, like the idea of like let's just get rid of the door because that door opens and someone gets hit. Like, look out, that is trouble. Yeah. But it's always pointed out quickly if you encourage everybody just to be jumping over the boards back and forth, 
those are skates that are in the air. Someone is going to get cut eventually. To be honest with you, Colbs, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Yeah, we see that a lot too, just about guys around the net, right? Like we see the odd guy get hit in the face with a puck on a shot from the point through traffic, hits yep. a stick, something. And we always say like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised it doesn't happen more often. And, and honestly, in my mind, I am, but that doesn't happen. Like that was, if you're talking about a like a, like a little bit of like playing fear where you know like you're in harm's way, like those are the things as players you think about, you know, taking a stick, maybe, you know, around tough areas around the wall, you might get hit, you know, you got to be aware, uh, being around the net, sticks, pucks, all those kinds of things. But in this situation, it's just, it's just, you know, the craziest thing um, to see that, like, I think shook up a lot of people just because it was like, you know, so graphic and, you know, just the play that happened too. Now it has everyone talking like, what was the intent? What happened with this, with this hit? What happened with this play uh, to cause this? Jeez. Um, we'll see where this one goes. We know the NHL is engaged yeah. in players association to at least make this, uh, make this a talking point um, in the next few meetings, whenever, uh, whenever those happen. Uh, okay. Uh, a couple of other things, the return of Blake Wheeler last night to Manitoba. I thought that was a lovely video tribute and you could tell that Blake Wheeler himself was visibly moved. You know, Blake Wheeler has talked about, I mean, this happens, you know, with, you know, hindsight and greater perspective, expanded vision, et cetera. When you leave somewhere, you look back on how you acted while you were there and you say, yeah, you know what? Wheeler has said this essentially. I I could have done things differently. You know, the one thing that we know about Blake Wheeler is he has an incredibly high standard for himself and he expects everybody else to have that standard. Personally, I think yeah. that's what made Winnipeg great for all those years. Not just not just Wheeler, um, but Shifley as well. Like there were a lot of players on that team, and some will say, "Ah, they ran the dressing room too hot, scared guys off, got Liney out of." Like, I understand. I understand. Like a guy like Shifley, who has an incredibly high expectation of himself, and Blake Wheeler, an incredibly high expectation of himself. Does it cause some friction amongst other players who may be a little bit more casual than those guys? Probably. But I think that's the you know that's one of the reasons why the Winnipeg Jets were so great for so long. When you look back at Wheeler's career with the Jets, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, he's he was he was a he's been a great Jet. I think I think you know production, um, leadership, um, tenor, like how long he was there as well. It's a long time to be in one yeah. place, and you know I think not quite hit the success that maybe some of us thought or they thought because they had, they've had really good teams. Right. But you know, in the last, you know, number of years now, like it's been crazy there, hasn't it? It's been like, it's, it's been, you know, defensemen running away for the Hills. They've lost everybody. They they had that. Then they have coaches leaving and then they have, you know, it's, it's just one thing after another. And I think they needed, you know, maybe some new voices in there. And I think that's obviously how it ended. But while he was there and in the, you know, the glory days of the jets leaving Atlanta and, and, you know, he was part of that team. He was part of those thrasher guys that came and was new and in the community and having good years and, you know, the face of the team. And, you know, that's what I think of when I think of him as a jet, he was, he was that guy. And um, I think, you know, really established himself. I think, you know, as a thrasher, as being a good player. But when he went to Winnipeg, he established himself as being like the guy on the team. And, mm-hmm. you know, amazing to see what he's done and what he did in Winnipeg. And I think it meant a little extra too, right? Like it was cool doing the game last night because um, although his year's been slow off the start, um, for him to get the salute there and acknowledge, but to have like his entire family, his kids, everybody came into town because, you know, you have friends from there, you have a life there. And spending that long there, it yeah. just, it was different. It was, it's, it's different than, you know, a guy coming in, like I got traded, I came back to Pittsburgh and it was just like, you know, Hey, see you later, bud. But you know, here's a little salute. Thanks for everything. <laughs> it, it, it was it's different because, you know, he was the captain. He was the guy, he was the face. He was the community. He was the family guy in the community. He, he was there when they yeah. started. And so it's, it, it just was so much different, I think. And probably emotional for him. It was crazy. They put him on on the next shift after his video tribute. And I got to say, like, watching him watch that, it looked like he was pretty getting a little emotional about it. At least that's what it looked like. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine it was probably 
one, it's hard to go in there and do that. And, you know, two, after, after that moment, when you're on the ice, it's just, it hits home a little bit that like, you know, this is life and things that you care about and you love and things that you built and worked on. And, um, you don't have to go play a shift after you watch all that. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. hundred percent. That's a, that's a tough one. Let me close on this one. All right. Spot quiz. There are three players in the NHL right now who are tied with even strength, primary assists at five. Okay. Oh. Even strength, primary assists one with strength. five. One of them is Matthew Kachuk. The other is Alex Ovechkin. The third plays on the Winnipeg Jets. His name is Cole Perfetti. And it's not as if he gets a ton of ice time. It's not as if he gets a ton of power play. But every time he's out there, he is producing. Two assists last night. Very, I mean, as quiet as he can be in a Canadian market. One, the ice time has become a story, although that is slightly changing. He was up around 15 yesterday. The Cole Perfetti story is a really interesting one right now. He continues to produce and to start the season up until last week. I mean, he was barely getting 12 minutes of ice time. And in the third period in close games, he wasn't getting on the ice at all. Uh, Do you have a quick thought on what you saw out of Cole Perfetti yesterday before we wrap up? Well, the first thing that jumps out at me is is with their lineup, you know, for the most part, they've been a massive team, and, and he's not the biggest guy. Like, even last year when he was there, they were huge, right? Yep. All their forwards were, like, 6'5", and, you know, then they got Cole Perfetti, you know, and it's like he's this, like, little nifty, skilled guy. <laughs> but I, I, I think that line had been kind of waiting to pop, too, right, a little bit with Ehlers, and Ehlers looked really good last night, and so yep. him and Ehlers together... I think are, are a great mix of, of, you know, skill, speed, and hockey sense when Perfetti has that, you know. Uh, so they, they've got a little bit of everything yeah. on that line with the Mesnikov. So it's, it's, it's a dangerous line, it, and, and his play, I think, has – I don't think we've seen from watching him, like, where he can get to yet. You know, with his with his abilities. So oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him this year that you mentioned that primary assists and he's just got really good hockey IQ. Um I don't think he jumps out at you that you like totally notice him, but he's just a crafty, smart player and you know, is is I mean the best thing I could say is he's just a good hockey player. And, you know, what he we're is. gonna see in his production or what we can see like his ceiling, you know, we always say that. I don't know what it could be, but I think there's still like more from Cole Ferretti to be seen on on where he's gonna you know get to, and I, I don't know what it'll be, but I think it, I think it could be, you know, he could be a, a big time uh, player for the Jets in their future for sure. Hundred percent. As they uh, they transition away from the uh, the Shifley Wheeler era uh, into whatever mm-hmm. this next era is going to become. Um, all right. Thanks, Colbs. I'm not sure if you're already back in in Pittsburgh or you you stayed the night. You grabbed I'm the red home. eye. Not sure what you did, but whatever your day, you're already home, eh? When'd you fly yeah, out? I got home. I took I took out this took off this morning. Little uh, nine a.m. flight back home. So already back here. I missed Penn's practice, so they're practicing yeah. uh, right when I got home. So I missed after that loss, another loss again to. Uh, Anaheim last night. It's kind of crazy here right now. It was, yeah, should have swung by, but I think I might have caught the back end. But tough times in Pittsburgh for the Penguins. Yeah. Oh, five on three, and Mason McTavish oh. scores the game. <laughs> crazy, oh, crazy. Boy. Ducks look Ducks look hot right now too. Pittsburgh is still trying to find it. Anyway, on that, we'll let you go. Enjoy. I'm sure when you got home, Mel said, "All right, yeah, welcome home. Here's the garbage. Take it out." Um, yeah, yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah. We'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got that one too. That's what I was. That yeah, was my morning. Uh, thanks, pal. You be good. We'll uh, right. we'll touch base soon. Colby Armstrong from uh, the NHL on Sportsnet. Uh, also watch him on TNT. Uh, listen to him on Chicklets. I love what's happening. Pittsburgh Penguins broadcasts. He is everywhere. I love what's happened with Colby Armstrong's career. That guy is a force. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, joining me next, don't call me Adam. Luke Fox uh, from Sportsnet.ca. The Maple Leafs in action tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, we'll catch up on everything Toronto. M- namely, what was that 
overtime we saw Saturday against the Nashville Predators. Nashville in action against Vancouver later on tonight as well. What was that? And yes, we'll talk about the goalie issue and we'll probably end up talking a little bit more about uh, mandatory neck guards, etc. Hitting a break, Luke Fox joins me in a couple of moments. Elliot Friedman at the top of the hour for a full news recap of the day. Uh, Look very much look forward to that. And Billy Jaffe in hour two on the Boston Bruins and the impending suspension of Charlie McAvoy. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet radio network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Coming up in hour two at the top of the hour, Elliot Friedman stops by full news recap of the last 48 hours. I would talk to Elliot since he was in Edmonton for the Heritage Classic. Bottom of hour two, Billy Jaffe stops by. We'll talk about the Boston Bruins. Where this morning, head coach Jim Montgomery saying Matthew Poitra staying with the bees. Sorry, Guelph Storm of the OHL. You ain't getting them back but they're kind of getting ahead of themselves using the B word in Boston about Poitra. The B word being Bergeron, by the way. A little bit premature. A little bit says pump the brakes, pump the brakes. Uh, Luke Fox joins me from Sportsnet.ca. It's the Maple Leafs facing off against the Los Angeles Kings this evening, one of only two games on the board. Luke, how are you, pal? Pretty good. Happy Halloween, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, to to you as well. Are you going out uh, trick-or-treating, taking kids, handing out candies? What are you doing? Or just staying in to watch hockey games? Yeah, probably a little bit of all the above. Uh, my son is is a uh, grade eight, so he's at that borderline where he's he's pushing for one more year yeah. of, of trick-or-treating. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, I, it's, I'm, I'm yeah, it's the conversation I'm stage. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you're gonna do it, that might be the last year, guy. Like yes. you know, let the kids let the kids have their Halloween, their teenager. Um, okay, before we get to tonight's matchup, Los Angeles Kings facing off against Toronto Maple Leafs. What was that overtime on Saturday from the Toronto Maple Leafs' point of view? There was a whole lot of I don't know how you describe it: elevator practice, statue practice. I don't know a whole lot of standing around watching Nashville do whatever they wanted with the puck. Yeah, they didn't touch it, I don't think, did they? It's it's interesting to me that Sheldon Keith has stuck with starting Marner and David Camp. So David Camp's role uh, to start yep. three-on-three overtime is to win the draw and get off the ice and watch Austin Matthews come over the boards. And if he doesn't win the draw, then Sheldon Keith has what he believes to be a, a good defensive option um, to eat time while the opposition has the puck and to save Matthews for when they get the puck back. Uh, in my mind, is he overthinking this a little bit? Like Austin Matthews is a pretty good centerman himself, pretty good defensively. I So I don't know about that, but he seems to have stuck with it. And then, you know, you, you hate to knock Austin. He's off to a, a fine start. But I thought he stayed on a little bit too long with the, with the puck. The thing with the Leafs is, Sheldon Keith puts no stock into this. Like he, he doesn't find that overtime shootout is real hockey. So he doesn't hold the guys too accountable for it. Cause in his mind, he's, he's a big, even strength guy and he almost discounts it. So he's not sweating that extra point they left on the table there. Uh, you know, in, in one sense, I understand it because that's not what you're going to see in the playoffs. And the Maple Leafs, I'm sure in Sheldon Keefe's mind and the organization's mind and the player's mind as well, they're past just gobbling up as many points like Pac-Man as they can. It's almost as if it's assumed they're going to get there. So let's not worry about things that we're not going to see in the playoffs, most notably mm-hmm. three-on-three in a shootout, because we're just, you know, we're, we're a playoff team and any of our extra frames are going to be five-on-five. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's that's kind of the, the view he, he looks at through. So, yeah, he's not, he's not stressing over it. The other thing is he wasn't really holding guys accountable at all after that game. Like, they had too, too many men penalties in that game that, that yep. you know, a little extra time, five on five, maybe they win it. They were definitely 
controlled the run of play. Uh, all due respect to UC Soros, who had another fantastic night. But if they don't take those silly That's penalties. Good. Maybe maybe they win in regulation and doesn't even get that far. But afterwards, he's got he's like, well, I'll, I'll just chalk it up to fatigue. You know, it's the fifth game on the longest road trip of the year. I think he they went three one and one, got seven of ten points. I think he thought now's not the time to beat these guys up we got a point let's get out of town let's get back home yeah um with luke fox from sportsnet.ca maple leafs facing off against the los angeles kings tonight i I know the obvious answer to this is joe wall uh, being you know the goaltender uh, of the future who looks like he's the goaltender of right now for the toronto maple leafs but uh in your mind and you know we're we're We've barely started the season, but what's been the biggest story around the Maple Leafs for you so far? Yeah, it's the story of the season. I mean, all due respect to William Nylander's hot start, and he's going for nine games in a row to start a season with a point, which would be a club record uh, if he gets one tonight. But really, the biggest storyline has been the goalies, and that's because Ilya Samsonov is uh, higher paid, more proven, higher pedigree, all those things. He came in as the de facto number one and just how swiftly uh, he's given that up. You know, it it was a meaningful, meaningful night in Tampa. Um, You know, you got to go back a a couple Saturdays. But for him to give up uh, three goals on four shots, for Joseph Wall to come in, not allow a single goal, the Leafs rally around them, beat one of their nemesis uh, in, in overtime, rally around that, uh, and then for Wool to play the next two games, stand on his head, look fantastic. He was scheduled to start in Washington, so that, that wasn't as big of a deal. But for him to get the Dallas start, that was a biggie because at that point, that was the best team these Leafs had, had played, and it was a, a bit of a statement win, and he looked fantastic in that one. Uh, and then on the flip side, you have Samsonov coming out to us after a practice in Nashville and ba- basically saying he's felt like crap all week. He's in a bad mental spot. He's worried about, you know, his brand new baby at home alone with, with his wife. And, and he's worried about home. He's worried yeah. about a contract that he didn't get. The team took him to arbitration. I think that says a lot. Uh, and internally, the organization wants Joseph Wolf to be the guy. Like it has been forever since the Toronto Maple Leafs have had a homegrown goalie, a drafted and developed goalie that has been a proven number one starter. They want this for Joseph Wool, And it certainly doesn't help that he's under contract beyond this for dirt cheap. Um, so it helps their cap situation as well. So now it, it falls to Samsonov to, to battle back. And, you know, I, I think he took a small step in getting that overtime loss um, in, in Nashville and, and staying in the game. He played okay. But I think a win, even though it would have been an overtime, would have went a long way for his confidence. I, I think there's an element of he feels he might be letting the team down as well as his family yeah. and himself. He This is a big opportunity for him. It's another contract year. Yeah. It's huge. You know, it's funny too about the the Maple Leafs' inability to draft and develop a, a number one netminder for the longest time. And I remember talking to to one person in management. This is years ago. Uh, we we're having this conversation, and he said, "Look, like our philosophy here, and it's been this way for a long time, is we don't draft goaltenders. We don't develop goaltenders. It takes too long, and it's really expensive. We'll just buy them." Once someone else develops them for us, you know, it was like the Montreal Expos and pitchers, you know, let the Expos develop them and then we'll buy them from the Montreal (laughs) Expos. It kind of was that way for the Maple Leafs for the longest time. Um, Interesting that you mentioned William Nylander there a couple of seconds ago, Luke, and uh, it was almost, uh, you know, it was almost an automatic that the minute the puck dropped on a Toronto Maple Leafs game, Nylander would start trending on Twitter most notably for negative reasons. The Nylander haters would come out en masse right away, and it was, you know, the Swedish pinata, and everyone grabbed a stick and had a swing. Nylander trends now after the puck is dropped on Toronto Maple Leafs games, but it is quite the opposite reaction. You know, one of the first things that Elliot and I noticed when we met him in Sweden at the NHL European Players Tour is just how much stronger he looked. I mean, Elliot referred to him as, you know, he looks thicker. Don't think he liked that, but he does. He looks thicker. He looks stronger. And you're seeing it game in and game out right now. And I don't know how the Maple Leafs 
aren't going to find room to make him fit in their salary cap equation here. I know what's on the horizon, et cetera, but still, like, how do you see, given how he's playing right now, how do you see the Nylander contract, the Nylander situation, the Nylander presence working its way through the season? Yeah, it's it's a huge storyline. And all credit to this guy because, uh, you know, there's so few players that can mean it when they say the, the, the contract stuff will take care of itself. All I'm focused on is hockey. A lot of guys yeah. say that, but they don't. They deep down, if you were to give them the truth serum, it is in their mind. And this guy is, is sure. really ab- able to separate that and not let it bother him. And he's off to the best start of his career. Like he's been phenomenal. Interesting point you make about uh, how he seems bigger and stronger. I, I think there's a physical maturity with him, but I think there's also a mental maturity and just a comfort in the league. I think he's, he's realized hey, I can take the puck right to the crease. I can skate as good as any, any, anybody. I can beat a guy one-on-one. Uh, and, and, and he's feeling it right now. Like, he's uh, dominant off the rush. Uh, he's making plays. He's beating guys in board battles, um, to my eye, more often than he has in the past. And he had a fabulous season last year, too, 40 goals. Um, but, you know, yep. John, Kling, John Klingberg said yesterday that he's, he's the best guy on the team right now. And, you know, maybe you can make a case for Joseph Wall or, or Morgan Riley, but when it comes to the forwards, he's the most dominant one offensively, and that's saying something. And how this is going to affect his contract, I, I 100% believe him, and, and he told you this, uh, that he wants to be a Maple Leaf. I absolutely believe him that he loves it in Toronto and wants to re-sign. He just wants fair market value. And the way he's playing right now, I think Brad Living is going to be forced to, to give it to him. Um, and, and I think they're going to have to find some sort of creative way to make it happen because it's hard to let talent like this walk out the door in its prime. I mean, uh, it, respect yeah. to, to Zach Hyman and, and some of the other guys in the past that they've said, oh, well, their own rentals, I guess, I guess we're priced out. Oh, shucks. It's hard to let a guy like this go out for nothing. Yeah, it's uh, and I understand his point of view. Why am I the only one expected to take a discount out of everybody? I get it. It makes a uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, tonight it is the Los Angeles Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can you give me a hot thirty seconds on the turnaround of Max Domi right now, Luke? Well, it was a massive game in Tampa where you know Keith scrambled the lines and fell on the the default uh, combo of Matthew Nyes and Max Domi. Um, it wasn't even a line he was going for. It's just how the, the bottom half of the lineup shook out. And it was two beautiful passes, playmaking moves by Domi to, to set up Nyes that rallied that comeback. And I think that did a world for his confidence and a world uh, of, of a boost um, for Keith trusting him more. Um, so the conversation started turning around him in that game. And now he has four assists over his past four games. Uh this guy needed some time to feel comfortable. I think he came in with a lot of internal pressure wearing the maple leaf on his crest for obvious reasons. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Okay, great stuff, uh, Luke, as always. Enjoy tonight's matchup, the Maple Leafs and the Los Angeles Kings. A pretty quiet Tuesday uh, around the league, considering we went through last Tuesday, uh, only two of them, uh, Leafs and Kings being one. Thanks, as always, Luke. All right, take care, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca covering off the Maple Leafs facing off against Los Angeles Kings tonight. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local Matt Marchese. You got two to choose from. Just talked about the Leafs and the Kings uh, with Luke Fox. What do you have your eyeballs on? Let's go with the the Predators at the Canucks. Uh, puck line is minus one and a half. Vancouver, the underdog, is eight and two in the last ten meetings. The over is four and one in the last five meetings overall, and the over is seven and one in the last eight meetings in Vancouver. So what does that mean? Nobody's going to score goals because it's Saros versus Demko. <laughs> yeah, you know what that means, though, when I start going on about, oh, you know what, Demko's <laughs> got the 936 and Saros has the 915 and no one can fire anything by these guys. It doesn't matter whether you're, uh, you're, you're shooting balloons or you're shooting frozen peas, nothing getting by these netminders. Yeah, it'll be 7-5. It'll be a blowout. Both goaltenders are going to get pulled. Uh, that's just the way these things uh, work. Uh, I, for one, and I don't think I'm in the minority, thought that the uh, Vancouver Canucks deserved a better fate against the New York Rangers than befell them. But nonetheless, 
This is a really impressive Vancouver team. I know that depth is an issue and I get that, but they're getting great performances from JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser is playing some fantastic hockey. We've talked plenty about Quinn Hughes, the captain who fits that C so well. And Maddie just mentioned Thatcher Demko. Elliot picked him for the Vesna. I ain't laughing. Should be a good one tonight. Battle of the Goaltenders. UC Saros, Thatcher Demko. That was Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Elliot Friedman, the latest news from around the NHL, kicks off hour two across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Merrick Show. Keep it here. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, just reading through Eric Francis's latest, which just published at sportsnet.ca. Got to get to Billy Jaffe here in two seconds. Let me just read the opening to you, because this is the this is the headline maker. Don't expect the Calgary don't expect to see the Calgary Flames ink Noah Hannaf into that extension anytime soon. Ditto for Elias Lindholm. Sportsnet is learning that all contract talks are now on hold for an organization that may be on the precipice of having to take a radical new approach, not a tear-it-down rebuild as most are clamoring for, but a significant retooling that would almost certainly involve trading the aforementioned Flames pillars. That would be Hannafin and Lindholm. A 2-6-1 and one start will do that. Uh, okay, so I encourage you to read Eric Francis's piece at sportsnet.ca. It is a fascinating one as... Um, France is maintaining that all are learning that all contract negotiations are on pause. But the conversation with Billy Jaffe is never on pause. And as I understand it, he's busy eating a Chex Notes vegan burger. Are you coming over to the green side, Billy Jaffe? Is this true? Uh, I wish I could. I wish. You know why? Because it would be healthier, smarter. I'd lose some of the, uh, you know, the excess baggage that I've got. But, uh, no, sadly, I'm still I'm still 100% pure beef, buddy. You know that's that's where oh, I'm at. Okay. How you doing, Jeffy? It's been a while. Uh, I'm good, man. Yeah, it's great. To, you know, I was talking about you the other day with someone because you know we're coming off the Heritage Classic on Sunday, and we we're going back and you know talking about the 2003 game between Montreal and Edmonton, and making the point that you know really the proof of concept of a lot of these things i know we can point at the 2003 game we can point at the snow globe game between the pittsburgh penguins mm-hmm. and the buffalo sabers but really the proof of concept you were involved in in michigan and michigan state the cold war uh the three all tie yeah. you know mike camilleri with a, with a couple of goals in that one take us if you before we get into the boston bruins quickly can you take us back to spartan stadium back in uh back in uh yeah. back in uh, in 2001 yeah, it was awesome. It was it was literally, you know, we use we, we use hyperbole to describe things, but it was freaking awesome. And it was like the coolest mm. thing I've seen, Jeff. Um, because yeah. we'd never seen it before. And so it was really you're like, how the heck is this really gonna work? I do remember flying into East Lansing, um, from I, I was with the Thrashers may they rest in peace organization at the time. And, um, we, <laughs> the, the Fox sports flew me down there and got in on a Friday, your Thursday, a Friday morning. And it was raining. It was misty. It wasn't cold, but it was raw and it was raining. And, and, and halfway through the day, I walk into Spartan stadium and you're looking at the ice and you're like, Oh my God, this is awesome. But how the hell are they going to play this game? And, um, you know, I was talking to the ice people there and, and they're, and they're like, well, it, you know, the weather's supposed to be good by tomorrow. I don't think they knew either, Jeff. I really don't. I think they were just crossing huh. fingers and toes and everything. And, um, and it worked. And by the time we started the broadcast, I think it was 44 degrees. And if I remember Fahrenheit, sorry for my lack of, of conversion to Celsius, but by the time like second period, it was down to 36, 37 degrees because the sun had gone down fully and it was perfect. Yeah. And it was a glorious night and it, and it worked. And yes, there was a couple of ice stoppages, but not as many as I remember in that first one in the snow globe game in, uh, in, in 08 or, uh, yeah, 08, whatever that was. So anyways, it was, 
it was great. It was fun. They had us in the press box, which is kind of where they used to put the broadcasters. Now they put them on the glass, uh, which is both good and yeah. tough. But uh, we had a great time. I worked the, the game with Matt Shepard. So I did the I did the, the, the Cold War, and I did the Big Chill at, at, at U of M a couple of years that's later. Awesome. And the Big Chill was even cooler because it's Michigan. And that's where I went, so that's why it was cooler. But, you know, but the colors were awesome. Nice. And it was 104,000 people. I, I hope there was no cheering in the broadcast booth, Billy Jaffe, uh, proud Wolverine. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. I don't remember things well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I keep pointing back at that one. Like the proof of concept, I know uh, there were others, but, you know, I keep coming back to that one at, at Spartan Stadium. Okay, um, Boston Bruins. I mm-hmm. uh, want to talk about the season. want to talk about Matthew Poitra as well. And he's sticking around. Sorry, Guelph Storm of the OHL. He ain't going back. Boston seems to have an affinity nope. for high-quality right-hand shot centers. Thank you very much. But first... Uh, your thoughts on the Charlie McAvoy, Oliver Ekman Larson hit from last night. He has a meeting with the department or a hearing rather with the department yeah. of player safety, your thoughts on all of it. Uh, I mean, you, you, all you got to do is look at the hit and you know that I, I can't imagine, first of all, it wasn't a hit to Charlie knowing him like I do for the last, whatever it is now, seven, eight years regretted it. You know, that doesn't mean Charlie is a very physical player but he's a smart, smart kid. I mean, I'm such a fan of his. He's so good, such a wonderful person that he, I think he made a mistake here, Jeff, like in that, you know, got the guy up high and the puck wasn't there. I, I don't, you know, what else? I don't, there's not much more to, to, to say. And, and it's the type of hit that we know that is addressed in the, in the department of player safety is having it. And, and because it's phone, what that means it's under six. Um, so five. I don't know. We, we were talking yeah, under five, beg your pardon. We, 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 we were talking last night on the air that he's going to, you know, hear from the department of player safety and, and he's going to, you know, he's going to have to take the medicine, so to speak for, for what he did. And again, he's a wonderful person, phenomenal player, but is the hit that can't, that you don't want to happen. That's what it comes down to. You just, you know, nobody likes it, Jeff. I, I, I don't think I'm saying anything that is earth shattering analysis here. You just don't need it. We uh, we said the same thing about the Rasmus Anderson Patrick Line situation. I mean, that was yeah. brain cramp end of the game. Uh, Anderson thinks he can get a lick in on Line A. The clock's winding down. And he says, "All right, I'm going to fill my boots." And I'm sure the moment after it happened, he realized, "Ugh, I'm stuck here, and I'm going to get dinged, and I'm going to miss the Heritage Classic." And he certainly did yep. because of it. Yep. Um, Matthew Poitra. Uh, Krejci mm. and Bergeron bad, retire, huh? and <laughs> holy smokes, he looks fantastic. I always, I always want to pump the brakes on kids, right? It's like, okay, like, okay, let's get through October. You know, let's get a little warmer to Christmas here, and then see how the kid performs, etc. But every hurdle they place in front of him, he's he's jumped over. Um, you know, I, I've always said that you know the Boston Bruins have had an embarrassment of riches on the blue line going back to Eddie Shore, and it's been, you know, nonstop revolving door of either Norris Trophy winners or Norris Trophy candidates, elite defensemen, underrated defensemen. I still think that Brad Park should be in that conversation with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they had, you know, the, tech, the, the the medical technology they had when Gord Kluzak played that they do now, he might have been an, another in that long line of great defenders. But I'd like to be the Boston Bruins and go from – Patrice Bergeron, he retires, and then all of a sudden, you know, coming in from out of the shadows, emerges Matthew Poitra. What should we know about him? Well, you're such a guy that knows so much about, you know, the junior leagues. You you probably know more about him than I do in the they sense that you saw him for a couple he's... years. Yeah. I mean, he's awesome. Um, listen, he's got a long way to go, and that's not a negative statement about the kid. It's a net, In fact, I find it a positive. That's the thing that's so exciting about it, with how how good he's been, how mature his game has been, Jeff. That's the thing. It's not a power game. It is not a razzle-dazzle game. It is a smart, cerebral, spatial awareness. Uh, I'm going to feel the body contact coming, edge work, you know, away from you type of game. And... I asked Cam Neely last night. We had him on our pregame show about a, a, a bunch of different things, and we talked about Potter, and I asked him, I said, look, I don't want to compare him overtly to somebody because that's not fair, 
I said, but dot, 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 Camp, does he remind you of anybody yeah. that you've seen that you played with, you know? And he he joked about, you know, um, Adam Oates, but, you know, Oates' stick blade was, you know, two inches long or whatever. And we, we joked about that. But he said, yeah. he's got a lot of Krejci, David Krejci in him. He does. He's got a lot of Krejci mm-hmm. where he'll kind of serpentine around. He'll, he's got phenomenal edges where he can turn away from pressure on a dime. And he goes, instead of turning towards the wall, he somehow turns his shoulder back inside to the play, and his head is always up. And he creates time and space, hockey cliche 101, for his teammates. And he, he does it, and he's wonderful. And I, I think, you know, he's been good. He, he struggled in the faceoff circle last night. Okay, he's, gonna, he's 19. He's going to struggle probably for about the next yeah. three years in the faceoff circle. Heck, Pavel Zaka's just getting good at face, really good at faceoffs right now. And he's been around for a while. But mm-hmm. Patra has NHL instinct, NHL vision, and NHL smarts. That's the best news. Now, does he have the wherewithal physically to handle the grind? Who knows? Who I don't want to say who cares. So he made it, he's going to make it to 10 games. Just because he's going to play past nine doesn't mean he's going to play all 82. Let's just see. He's helping the team, Jeff. That's the biggest thing. He's legitimately helping the team right now, and that's why they kept him because – not only is he helping them, he's helping them in a legit manner. Well, and, and here's the thing as well. Uh, if this is, like, legit and not fool's gold, then there's no reason to believe that this is fool's gold, but we've seen kids, you know, hit a wall. It, it happens. Yeah, if it this happens. is legit and, 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 and Matthew Poitra can play the entire season and he is a, an NHLer, period, I mean, this is the 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 easiest the easiest question you're gonna get all day. How much does that make the Boston Bruins' life easier, knowing that oh. for this year and oh. two more years they have a top six center at checks notes just under nine hundred thousand dollars a season? Unbelievable! Like, and how how lucky are they in that regard? Because, and while you have to you have to tip your hat and say. It's a pretty good draft pick for the second round, right? Right? Like pretty, yep. pretty good, Larry David would say. And this is a guy that shocked even forget guys like me who heard of him, who watched his highlights, but didn't know his game. Really surprised the heck yeah. out of management and coaching staff. So you're you're absolutely right that it makes their job unbelievably well. And let's not forget that you, you talk about Pontra at nine and a quarter. Zaka just signed a four-year extension at $4 million a year. So those would be your top mm-hmm. two centers. Zaka's been great so far, Jeff. He really has. I hope he yeah. can continue. Like, yep. You want to talk about a, a, a grade-A person? Oh, man, is he. And so you're now you're talking under $5 million combined for three plus four years at your top two centers. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. You know, we have to talk about it on sports radio. I get it. But you're right. They got lucky because you didn't lose one. You lost two all-time great Boston Bruin players in a matter of a month with to retirement. And you're yeah. like, holy you-know-what, how are we going to – we don't have any of this in our pipeline. At least they weren't sure about it. If, if Matthew continues to play like this, then they're going to be okay. Um, you mentioned a second ago that Poitra was a second-round draft pick. I'm I'm just scouring my brain here, trying to think of the Boston Bruins have ever picked off a right-hand shot center in the second round <laughs> and played Canadian major junior hockey. It's, nothing's coming to me, Billy. I'm getting a little bit older, a little bit slower. Is any any names jumping out at you, Billy Jaffe? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Isn't it amazing? The second coming of, of the, uh, the, the, the most perfect kid you could hang around with at Patrice Bergeron. I know. I know. It would be, um, yeah. it would be, and, and honor of Halloween, it would be eerily similar uh, if that were to, to, to happen. Yeah. But again, you don't want to over kind of hype and over uh, compare. But it, it would be crazy if, that, if this does happen again. 
Yeah, let's get ahead of ourselves. It's Sports Talk Radio. Let's just have some fun here on a Tuesday. Um, so, so here's what everyone wonders about. Like last year, the the built we got to have a, a minute for this one, Billy. Last year, it was like, okay, the Boston Bruins are going to struggle out of the gate because they have all these injuries. Just got to keep their head above water, and bam, the best regular season we've ever seen from an NHL team. Okay, uh, no Bergeron, no Krejci. This is like uh, this is too much. This is becoming you know the uh, Monty Python's Knights, just a flesh wound, all of it. But there's really no way, right? Explain how they have yet to lose a game in regulation. You got about 45 seconds if you got it. I don't know. um, I'm going to say great, unbelievable, best goaltending duo in the league. No, Not even – there's some other good ones, but the two of them are great. Swayman and Omar. Great. Uh, Very very solid, uh, if not at times spectacular, D-crew. Not very physical. And now without McAvoy, it's going to be a couple of games, we both figure, and Grizzly is out for a few weeks. This is going to challenge the D, yes. but very good D crew, solid structure, solid, not perfect. Um, and I also think they got benefit, Jeff, of the schedule. I do early on. And they had some mm. teams that were not, let's just say, not as um, uh, uh, strong. Uh, played Chicago twice, San Jose. Uh, anyways, um, but with you still got to win those games that are put in front of you. It's the NHL last time I checked, and those teams beat other teams. And the Bruins have beat them yep. all. Uh, they, I'll leave you with this. They play Toronto on Thursday. They play Detroit on Saturday. They play Dallas on Monday. It's a pretty good roll coming up, right? And Florida was a good game last night, too. And the Bruins still found a sure way. Was. What a fun game in the second and third. If you're if you're a Bruins fan, yeah, what a second and third period. The, the whole the whole night was was fun. Seven one-goal games. That was uh, stick with it. All three periods for, for seven. The one big blowout was the Chicago-Arizona game. But other than that, the, the games last night were fantastic. Headlined uh, in many ways by yeah. uh, the meeting. Uh, haven't seen them since the playoffs of the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. Billy, you be well, my friend. We'll check back regular, buddy. You got it, Jeff. You be good, man. Take care, pal. There he is, Billy Jaffe from, uh, from Nesson covering the Boston Bruins. Uh, only two games tonight. Only two. There were nine of them last night. We have two games tonight, so enjoy it, whether you're watching the Toronto Maple Leafs face off against the Los Angeles Kings, that one an 8 o'clock Eastern start, or on Sportsnet 1 at 10 o'clock Eastern, the Nashville Predators facing off against the Vancouver Canucks goalie duel in this one, which means it's going to be 8-5. It's the way things happen. All right, signing off. Uh, Back in 22 hours across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360. Have a great afternoon. Have a great evening. Enjoy the puck tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow.